Friends, let us turn in the Word of God this evening for our worship, for our praise, for our meditation, for our instruction in righteousness. We turn to the Gospel of John and the chapter 14. The Gospel of John and the 14th chapter. This is the Word of God. Come, let us hear God's holy word. The Lord, help us to receive his word this night by faith. John chapter 14, commencing our reading at the verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, and he may be able to uh, abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Judith 
saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou willest manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. The word which ye hear is not mine, the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away. And come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the Prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Amen. This is God's holy word. May the Lord bless it to us this evening and help us as we draw near. Let us pray. Let us seek our gracious Lord this evening, his grace and favor and strength. Well, dear friends, I ask you to please turn your prayerful attention there to John chapter 14, the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, and I uh, wish to take some verses for my text this evening. Really, I could say by way of introduction, the best way sometimes to show the truth from error is to show you the real thing. And the Lord Jesus Christ speaks the real thing of what it is to be a Christian here tonight. And those of us who are Christians, I pray that this word would come by way of instruction and encouragement. We find ourselves coming short. We pray that we once again might cast ourselves upon the Lord Jesus and see him as our only hope. But we pray that as we do that, we might have great cause to examine whether we are in the faith. and Maybe there are those here tonight that are uncertain. Maybe there are those that clearly say, well, I'm an atheist, I'm an unbeliever, and it seems that your heart is completely hardened to the things of God. And let me say this, only God can, as it were, smash your heart. Only God can smite it. Only God can break your heart in your rebellion against the truth. The Lord Jesus says here in John 14, the verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
We're not going to preach on that verse, but we're going to be speaking about the things that he says in verse 21 through to the verse 24 this evening. These are very instructive to help us examine exactly where we are with our relationship with God and what we think of God, what we think of his Son, what we think of his Word, what we think of the truth. And you might be like Pilate, who said, well, what is truth? Rather cynically, what is truth? Well, the Lord said, I am the truth. In other words, and the ancients have said this, when he said, I am the way, the truth, everything that he says is truth. Everything that he says is verity. Things are, the universe is because of Jesus Christ, who is truth. He is the one who made the universe. These things are because he spoke them into being. The laws of science we're not against. The things that God has made, they are clearly seen. Man is without excuse. The reason for the state of the world The Lord Jesus Christ speaks the truth concerning that. In the beginning, God created them male and female. There were no innocuous ifs. He made man male and female, and he made them upright. And they were without sin, and they rebelled against God. And all of Adam's progeny have rebelled against God. You and I have rebelled against against God. In fact, we've rebelled against the truth. We come into this world denying the truth, denying that everything God says about reality to be truth. The reality is we are sinners. The reality is we are not good people by nature. The reality is our hearts, as the Word of God says, is and are enmity with God. That's the reality. We come into this world fallen. And unless there is an insuperable work, unless there is an almighty changing of the heart by God, we will remain on a path to destruction. We're going to hell. And I say that again. We're going to hell unless the heart is converted. Now, verse 21 through to verse 24 are very searching verses. My heart has been very burdened over the last month. Remember how the Lord Jesus Christ went into the temple and he drave out the money changes and the exchanges and those who sold, and used the house of God as a place of mart. It was like a mall. It was not a a place of prayer. It was not a place of worship. It was not a place where God was worshipped and honored, but rather it was a place of convenience. And I'm afraid a lot of the church has become like that today, a place of convenience for some. Some come along to church merely to 
often tip the hat to God, to pay him a little respect, to treat God as a sort of a little heavenly bellboy. When you need him, you ring the bell. You say a little prayer. And he does the duties, the things that you want. I want a a better job. I want a better marriage. I want this, I want that. We come to God with a large shopping list. We don't really come to God to worship him. The Christian life, let me say, is a radical change to the old life. It is a serving God and a no longer serving yourself. It's no longer you have God to serve you. And I'm afraid there's so much of that today. Come to God for a blessing. You want blessings in your life? Come to church. Believe even the gospel. God will give you blessings. My friends, he has come to give life, life abundantly in the heart. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. The gospel is not simply saving us from the wrath to come. But what Christ does is he lifts us out of the miry clay of Adam and he puts us into a new kingdom. And that's the question we need to ask tonight. Are we in that kingdom? Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. The more one loves the Lord and obeys him, the more the Lord will reveal himself to them. Not just in eternity, but in this life. The secret things of the Lord, we are told, are with them that fear him. They know his ways. Now you notice something else. Something Judas, not Iscariot here, verse 22 says, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Yet a difficulty here. Why us? We can answer that question, I suppose. Well, the Lord doesn't deal with it directly here, but he does say this. He says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Now notice how the Lord Jesus answers. The problem is the world does not really want to hear the words of Christ. If you really study this verse here, look at it very carefully. You don't need to read between the lines. He actually answers him. That's the problem. The world does not love Christ. They will hear, but they will not receive. And therefore, because they do not receive Christ's words, he will not manifest himself to the world. Let me explain. You know, in that parable of the soils, there in Matthew chapter 13, how there are explained and described four essentially different kinds of people. There are those that hear the word and they hear it rather superficially. 
First of all, there is the seed that is cast by the wayside. It's, it's, it's received, but very superficially. You can imagine a hard ground. So it's received there. And then, but then quickly, we're told that the devil comes and steals away the word. Then there are some that receive the word among the stony places, and then the thorns, and so on. So what is the Lord saying? There are those who receive the word in a very superficial way. The seed, which is the word, does not go into the heart. And uh, if you turn there, this really answers Judas here, not Judas Iscariot's question, but notice, after he has given that parable of the soils, or the seed, if you like, The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. Now why? For whosoever hath to him shall be given. So if you have faith, it will be given. And he that hath more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. In fact, in Luke's gospel, goes on to say, him that seemeth to have, the person that even says, I have the truth, please don't preach to me. Even what he has shall be taken away from him. So, We're told here, therefore I speak unto them in parables. This is part, really, of the Lord dealing with sinners. Parables are so sometimes blindingly simple. But people ignore the blindingly simple, don't they? They're blinded by the truth, the simplicity of the truth. People can be blinded. Therefore I speak unto them in parables, because they seeing, see not. They say they see. They say I'm a Christian. They say I I see the truth. But what is true in that parable, they do not do the truth. You see, you you can perceive in the mind, but you never apply the truth to yourself. The Pharisees were like that. They saw the truth, but the sermon was always for the guy next to them. And that's how we are as people often. That's how we are by nature. And we never apply it to ourselves. It always applies to somebody else. We have this huge element of self-righteousness by nature, don't we? Each and every one of us. May the Lord speak to our hearts here tonight. These are very searching words here in John 14. I was struck in my preparation for studies this last Lord's Day, this last Tuesday, for our studies in the book of the Revelation about those who overcome. And really those who overcome are those who not only receive the truth, and confess their sins, but actually forsake them. If you just turn there with me, in Proverbs 28, 13, we read, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. 
And this is sinners by nature. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, Proverbs 28.13, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. The one who forsakes his sin loves God. Of course, we all struggle with sin. But the true believer will forsake his sin. And he will love God. And he will overcome. And he will receive the word of the Lord to himself directly, won't he? He won't be as the Pharisee and say, well, the word's for somebody else, not for me tonight. This is for me. And we receive the word as the truth, the whole truth, nothing else but the truth. And everything that the Lord has to say is important to us. I wonder if we come prepared to listen to God's word in that way tonight. That we are hanging on to every word that Christ speaks. Every word from the Bible. I must make sure that I am loving God. Now that's the grand question. The Lord tells us that he loves them that love him. Now why should sinners love God? Why should anybody love God? Well, God is good and we're not. That's the first reason. God is good and we are not. We, we say we love good things. And if we're honest with ourselves and if we have a, a right examination of our own hearts, we have to say, as the Lord said to the man that came to him, nobody's good but God. But he said, uh, I've kept all the commandments. He said, right, well then, sell all your goods, give them to the poor, and you shall have riches in heaven. The man had no riches in heaven. He was never laying up anything before God. He was not a keeper of the law. He went away sad because we're told he had many goods. And Peter said, Lord, who then can be saved? The Lord Jesus said, with man it's impossible. But with God all things are possible. That's why a new heart is needed. That's why love to God is essential. And in these verses we learn that. And I want you to notice the way it is stated. How do you know whether you don't, I'm putting it in the negative, you don't love the Lord Jesus? Notice what he says, He that loveth me not, verse 24, keepeth not my sayings. It's in the negative, but I want you to notice it is stated in the positive much earlier in verse 21. Of John 14. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. You see, it's stated in the positive there. So you can ask the question both ways. How do you know whether you love God? Do you, do you keep his commandments? Again, we're not teaching legalism. We're teaching, do you love God? You keep his commandments, friends. It's a question, isn't it? You love to keep his commandments. You're not keeping them out of a sense of, well, if I don't keep them, I have no righteousness. I, I can't earn points with God. Of course, you can never earn favor with God. We've all sinned. But you keep them out of a sense of love. 
of devotion. Now the Lord Jesus Christ says here, He that keepeth my commandments, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. You want to know whether you're going to be loved in heaven, whether you're going to heaven, whether you'll be loved of Christ, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He that keepeth my commandments, and here he that keepeth my sayings. The truth. John 8, before this, isn't it? John 8 is drawing close to his ministry's end. John 8, 51. Remember the Jews came to him and accused him of all manner of things. Remember what he said there, before Abraham was, I am. He claimed to be God. That's who the Lord Jesus is. The Lord Jesus' commandments are no less the commandments of God the Father as they are his. The Father and I are one. But what did he say in John eight fifty one? Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Now let's think for a moment upon death. This is why this subject is vital. I don't want to scare you with death. I don't believe that people are scared into the kingdom of God. They are converted into the kingdom of God. I believe that with all my heart. You can't twist people's arms. And even people, friends, who are cast in hell, we read, blaspheme God in hell. And they will be cursing God. They will never repent. You can't change the human heart. But what does he say here? If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Well, what is he speaking about there? He's not speaking about the first death. But he is speaking about the second death. Now, when he says, if a man keep my saying, these are literally my teachings. If a man keep my saying, that's, that's the word in the Greek. My sayings, what I have to say. My word, the entire word. Well, he is the word. The whole of the Bible is the word of God. <laughs> you and I don't get to pick and choose, do we? What parts we like. But how much of that is there today? Where people pick and choose what they want to do. Does he say, whoever keeps some of my sayings? If a man keep my saying, the man keeps my word. Well, why? Well, but his truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, with the Lord Jesus connected with that truth, his word gives life. Life now and eternal life. He is life and he is the light of men. He is the one who gave life in the beginning. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is one who is able to destroy and one who is able to save says James, there is even one. The giver of life is the taker of life. And everything that he says is truth. And what does he say here in verse 21? He says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. 
And that's a question I would like each of us to ask in our own hearts here tonight. Do we desire to keep Christ's commandments? Do we? Do we keep them? It's not merely a desire. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. The person that actually does it. Remember there was a woman in the crowd. The Lord Jesus in Matthew's gospel, he has just cast out demons out of a man. And then they accuse him of doing that work by Beelzebub. What does the Lord say? If I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then he goes on to use an illustration. He said, you know, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I, by the finger of God, he's doing these things by God, the very one sent by God, God the Son. And then he said, it's like this. The man who, like that man who had the devils cast out of him, one had to come by an insuperable power and rid all those devils out of him. Isn't that right? That's what he did. And what did he say? Concerning, he said, this generation, it's like you, you, You do not have this work in you, he says. He says, in effect, that there are those like the Pharisees, and he describes them there, we can look at it in a moment, how it seems that there is a change merely externally. And then, because remember, he described them as whited sepulchres. And then, it's like the devil comes back, and the men so many times worse because more devils come back in that man. That person is self-deceived, but Christ is stronger than the strong man. The devil is the strong man who has a hold on people's lives. But Christ, when he changes you, he comes, as it were, and he cleans out the house and he does a mighty work in a person's soul. And that's the life of the Christian. It's no longer superficially lived before God. He that loveth me, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. You want to know whether you love the Lord Jesus, friends? You keep his commandments. John goes through a list of at least seven things that we can know whereby We love God. And that's the one that heads the list. It's the very first one. By this we know that we know God. We love Him and we keep His commandments, says John. By this we know that we are the children of God. And he says here in the verse 24, He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. I want to ask you the question, how much do you cherish the Word of God. Do you read the Word of God? Do you rise up in the morning and do you read the Word of God? Keep it in your heart. 
The psalmist says, Write thy word upon my heart that I may sin not against thee. That's the attitude of the Christian. He doesn't want to sin against God. So in a sense, this is a warning verse, isn't it? He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. Or would this penetrate the soul tonight, friend? How sad it is. But sometimes it feels like we have to really persuade people to come to church. We must have to pressure them to come to church. It's wrong. Do you love him? Is there a desire in your life to honor him? Do you forsake your sin? Are you always somebody making an excuse for your sin? Well, the Bible tells us, he that forsaketh them, confesseth them, and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You see, the Lord, it's not just about confessing the Lord Jesus. You have to confess your sin and you have to forsake them. That's really what it means to repent, my friend. Can I ask you, has there been a change in your life? I mean, look at your life. As I must look at my life, has there really been a radical change? Are you prepared to do whatever the Lord says in your life? No, we mustn't somehow just convince ourselves all is well, even with our church going. Let us never, the Pharisees, were self-deceived in that measure. They thought that if they just kept certain things and did certain things, all was well. But you know, the real life is the intimate life, isn't it? It's that personal relationship that we have with God. Is, is there real grief in your heart, my friend, over sin, when you sin? It's easy to tell people that you've sinned. It's not hard to do. We can all do it. But to forsake your sin is another thing altogether. It proves whether you actually love God or not. I mean, why wouldn't you love the Lord? He who had to come into this world he who had to become a man in order to save sinners. There's no other way that Christ could save people by, but by coming under the law of God and living for them and then dying for them. Those who really know that and really believe that love him. You love him. Because if you love him, it'll be shown, my friend, by a life committed to the Lord Jesus Christ in his ways. And what he says must go in your life and in my life. And, and, and we can't compromise. There's no compromising. There ought never to be compromising. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. You notice even in this chapter, 
He won't reveal things to you. And and I'm afraid this is why so many people sort of just drift on in their so-called Christian lives because they're never really committed to the Lord, never really committed to, 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 to learning from His Word. So much of that. There will be many, I'm sure, as the Lord said. I believe that with all my heart that will say, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We, we raised this charity. We set up this fund. We did this. We did that. You say, depart from me. All you were interested in doing was setting up a name for yourself. Solemn, isn't it? God is concerned, my friends, with holiness of life. Sincerity to Him. That's really where the Lord begins. He doesn't say here, set up a great big charity, do this, do that. You just keep my commandments. And the Lord will lead, won't He? He'll direct in life. Often people want to concentrate or want to do big things for the Lord. But the little things of life, it seems to them, don't count. But those things really count. And not only do people watch the things and the little things that we don't do, Because people do. They see. They can see right through hypocrisy, can't they? And if they can see it, surely the Lord can see it. He sees through sham religion. There will be false teachers. There will be those who prophesied even. Going to hell. There will be those who have done mighty things, it seems. But it's the humble. It's the poor in spirit. It's the meek that are prepared to receive his sayings and to take his word seriously and to be concerned about this one primary thing in their lives and that is holiness. That's what the Apostle Paul says. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Are you concerned, my friends, with a sanctified life? I'm speaking to Christians here as well. To everybody. We have to be concerned with that. Because if we're not, we're not concerned about his sayings. His sayings deal with the minutest details of our lives, don't they? How much do we know of God's word? Are we concerned not to be deceived? Not to ever bring dishonor to Jesus Christ's name? Of course, if we love him, we're going to be concerned to learn his word, aren't we? We're going to be engrossed in his word. We're going to take an interest in his people. We're going to take an interest in his cause. 
in all that is important to the Lord will become important to us. We'll love his church. We'll love the local church. We'll not despise the local church. We'll not despise what he says about the importance of coming under authority. Good, godly authority. We'll not be concerned with what the world has to say about that, we'll be concerned with what he has said. Well, as he says here, he that loveth me keepeth my commandments. He says, if ye continue in my word, we continue in his word. That's vital, isn't it? What does he mean about that? Remember what he said If a man is not offended in me and my saying, we can't detach the Lord Jesus Christ from his sayings. Now, some people do that. They say, I I love the Lord Jesus, but when it comes down to his word, they seem to separate him from his word. That's not the Jesus I know, they say. Friends, we can't detach the Lord Jesus. You see that here from his word. How important is that in the life? That we never detach the Lord Jesus Christ from his word. Of course, we trust in his righteousness alone. We trust in his obedience, not in our own. I wonder, friends, is there this spirit in us? Tonight, do we know the Lord? Look at what verse 23 says. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth my saints. I know for some people it's, they live so far away, it's not impossible to be here at the midweek meetings. I'm glad you listen online. That's a good thing. But there are those who are able to come, who will make every effort to come to hear God's word. Or do we just live at a sort, sort of arm's distance from Christ? You keep his words? You desire to keep his word? Is his word important to you? For man keep my saying, he says in John eight, fifty one, he shall never see death. And here's the here's the opposite. If you don't keep his saying, you will see death. In the ultimate and final sense, my friend. I I, I fear there are so many that are self deceived. But you will not deceive Jesus the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not deceive him. But those that hear his word will never see death. Why? Because you love him. And it's proof that he loved you. And he gave himself for you. You see, those who truly understand what the Lord Jesus Christ did cannot but help but love him. We realize what happened at Calvary. 
We, we need to go over that in our mind every day of our lives. What happened? The eternal Son of God who became man, my friends, lived in this sinful world. And what did he do? In his own body, Peter tells us, he bore our sins in some mysterious way. The guilt, the sin, the iniquity of his people, this is what Isaiah says, was laid upon Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he he bore it. And if he bore your sin, my friend, Will you not bear with him? Will you not put him first in your life? Will you not honor him? He says, I am the way, the truth. Do you treat his word as truth? That which comes from the pulpit, I know comes from a very feeble man. But we give ourselves to hours of study of God's Word to bring you the food of God's Word to feed your soul. I do not come with puppets and tricks and skits, but I come with hours of prayer burdened over souls, and it breaks my heart, friend. It breaks my heart. So often to see people half-interested. Never really committed to Christ. Breaks our hearts. What breaks our hearts too is that you dishonor Christ and you tell people you're a Christian. Think of the shame you bring upon him when you live like the world. I'm not saying... The Lord expects you to live a perfect life, but you should strive against sin. And when a word of rebuke comes to you, you should be thankful. Rather than prickly and rejecting it and hating the preacher, just receive it well. Well, we're told the Lord chastens those whom he loves. And if you love him, Well, you'll receive it as a son. You're lost. Sometimes, as he said, he speaks in parables. And sometimes, you know, the Lord's word may be very hard to understand, but sometimes that can be because you have deliberately hardened yourself against the truth. And the Lord may not be pleased for the moment to show you further things because you just so lightly despise his word and so poorly treat him. That ought to never be the case, my friends. God can and does harden sinners. And even professing Christians, you know, they they, they can harden their consciences. What are we told by Paul? He that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is what? It is sin. And there are so many Christians, my friends, and I believe true, born-again Christians that are just so concerned to just do it their way. 
and to go on in their own way. You see, the test will come. One day, were they the Lord's or not? Now, the Lord alone knows who are his. That's not for me as a minister to say. But he has said in his word to examine our hearts. He said, I am the way, the truth. And if it is the truth, you don't tamper with the truth. You obey the truth. You submit to it. You yield to it. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ will reveal it and his people will keep the truth as we read here. and They'll abide in it. But he that does not do the will of God shall not see God. It's a solemn thing, isn't it? In Job 36, 17 we read, But thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold on thee, because there is wrath. Beware, lest he take thee away with his stroke, when a great ransom cannot deliver thee. If Christ is your ransom, we thought midweek, when we were here, that Christ for his people is righteousness, Wisdom, sanctification, and what? Redemption. You never divorce any of those four things from themselves. Christ is all those things together for the person. As I said on Tuesday, for so many people, the Lord Jesus is simply their redemption from hell but not redemption to a new life. Do you get what I'm saying? The psalmist says, He has redeemed my life. And that doesn't just mean eternal life, but it means He has redeemed our life now. Paul, when he writes to the Colossians, he says, When Christ, who is your life, who is your life, He is your life now, shall appear. Then we shall appear with him in glory. Now let me ask you, is Christ your life? Can you say for me to really live is Christ? Who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. He's free to say, Lord, what are my marching orders today? I'm going to do them. Is that what the Bible says? I'll do it. I won't question it. I'll submit to it. I'll yield to it. I'll gladly do it. Because Lord, thou gavest thyself for me. My friend, where are you tonight? Do you have this? If not, there must be soul searching. There must be earnest soul-searching in my heart and your heart. The Christian doesn't walk perfectly. But when he sins, he confesses it and he forsakes it. Is that what Proverbs says, doesn't it? He that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall find 
mercy. You'll find a gracious Savior that says, you know what, I know you've sinned and I know your heart is true. It's genuine. I know you love me. Peter, I know you love me. Every time he asked Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? He knew what the answer would come out of Peter's mouth. Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. We have to say, yes, Lord, our love is poor. It's weak. But Lord, I want grace to love thee more in my life. And I'm ashamed of my poor love. I'm ashamed of my poor service. I'm ashamed of my poor ingratitude. But Lord, I want thee. And I want to experience life. And I want to experience thy truth. Thou sayest that thou art truth. Give me more truth, Lord. Let me dig into your word every day. Let me have close communion with thee. Let me walk in thy ways. If we love him, he says he will manifest himself to us. I ask you tonight, do you love the Lord? The Bible says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Why? Because he's God. He's God who became man to give his life as a ransom for sinners. And they find in him love. They find in him everything. Help, strength, righteousness, wisdom, and redemption. My friend, seek the Lord. There's no life apart from him. This world is empty. It's a sinking ship. The Lord is coming in judgment very soon. And he will discern between those that love him and those that really don't. Let us examine our own hearts. He says, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. You won't see God's judgment. You'll see life. And you'll see the one who gave you that life. May God help us to draw near to him and live an honest and sincere life by the grace of God as it is in Jesus Christ. Amen.